Hello, hello, good day, everyone. Uh, welcome back to a brand new episode of the Sofa Scouts podcast. Um, we are we're ready to jump into it. Football season, uh, it's here. Um, it's you know the new Eagles are upon us. Um, we're going to touch on them, the Phillies. Final stretch run here. Final month of the season. Final about twenty five or so games, maybe a little less than that. Uh, they end their season fighting for for the division, and they sit a few games out. Uh, also, Ben Simmons is still uh, still a sixer. We got we got to touch on that a little bit. Um, but uh, it's it's got to begin. You know, it's fall just around the corner. We got to begin with the hot topic, and that's the Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, just days away from kicking off the season against the Atlanta Falcons and the ATL. Um, a lot of mixed uh, opinions and thoughts about how this how this Eagles team is going to shape up in the new 17 game schedule. Um, I can I say I think they're going to be a little bit less than a 500 team, but uh, we can get into all that, all the details. Um, as always, I'm here with Kel. What's going on, sir? What's going on? What's going on? Yeah, I know. On on Sofa South's podcast here, I predicted that the Eagles. You know, I think we're going five and twelve. Um, I think I'm going to lighten up on that. I think I'm going to like give them a couple more wins and see them going about like seven and 10 um, this year. I played this season in Madden. Um, so I feel a little bit better now, you know, going through and seeing these opponents, kind of seeing these rosters and seeing what they're made of. And I kind of, I think it starts with week one with it, with the Atlanta Falcons. Um, this is really not a great team. This is <laughs> there. There's a lot of holes on this roster, especially on uh, its defense is currently constituted. Um, yeah, I think that they have uh, hmm, several. They have a few guys on on offense. I, I, they got Matt Ryan still. Uh, they yep. had some. You got Ridley. Ridley. They added uh, Mike Davis at running back from from Panthers, and then um, you got Kyle Pitts at tight end. They got in the first round, but after that, the depth is kind of kind of shaky. Um, and I can. I mean, besides on defense, on defense, um, Deion Jones. I can't name too many other guys. Um, and then they, just like the Eagles, they have a rookie head coach, Arthur Smith, coming in. Um, I think he was with Tennessee previously. Yep. Um, so they also are, are dealing with some changes over there. And, and they only they only won four games uh, last season. They, they would have had the same record as the Eagles, if not for the Eagles having that tie, really. So um, potentially. So um, not really a significantly better team i would think and i think um while a lot of people thought this was an early schedule a uh, difficult schedule looking at it early on i think this is definitely a, a winnable game right out the shoot yeah um it, it actually very much could be um i think the the biggest the biggest difficulty for me so far as a fan is man we haven't seen this team do anything like we haven't seen we haven't seen anything in the preseason so it, it really is going to be you know all fresh coming out that first game, you know, all fresh schemes, all fresh uh, hitting the field for the first time. A lot of them probably hitting for the first time when they, when they hit the field. Um, so I just, I don't, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting for sure. I, I kind of expect uh, some of that first game sloppiness, you know, some of that new start of the year, um, just getting used to, um, it, you know, the playing surface, everything else, getting getting the speed of your teammates down and everything like that, working with different people on in your position, position groups and things like that. So um, I kind of expect, you know, a little bit wonky of a, of a first half and then probably a little bit more settled down uh, second half. But just the way this this Atlanta Falcons defense is built, um, you really I, I think you have the ability to both throw and run against them. Um, so I kind of expect a nice balanced attack um, on Sunday and they're really not deep at cornerback. Um, their, their safeties are, 
are, are aren't the best either. So you know, it's 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 kind of wide open for the for the Eagles. Um, yeah, I think it's. I would definitely say it, it is a little bit wide open. Um, and I also think that with um, what you said to the point of we really don't know too much. We consider they didn't. Eagles didn't play a lot of starters. Uh, to end the preseason um now there are a handful of returning guys but we don't know what what to expect from them really um and then you have a quarterback in Jalen Hurts who played all of four games last season um and only 10 preseason snaps there's still a lot that we still know how he's going to be as a quarterback like I I have hopes for him um I can see how or why he can be a good quarterback in this league but I think ultimately a player he needs reps and um i would hate for him to have to kind of learn it on the fly especially considering this is also this is a new offense coming into this season i'm sure there's some some things that may be a little familiar with it uh with you know seriani being the head coach and coming from that frank reich area but i think that uh there's there's still some things that he probably going to be learning early on as part of the season and um it's going to be interesting to watch his his development um not only as a quarterback but as a starting quarterback as the leader of the offense and how he in different game situations how he manages manages them because when you look beyond the falcons um and and they play the niners in week two week three already right there you got a division opponent and um the Dallas Cowboys, and then you got a tough stretch of games with the Chiefs and and, and the Bucks. So there's there's going to be a lot. Um, well, I think we're going to learn a lot about this team early on. Is is I was really what I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and and on I mean on offense, you're looking at you you have youth at at every position. You got a young quarterback. You got a rookie wide receiver on the outside. You got a second year wide receiver on the outside, and a third year running back. So um, it's kind of. Kind of you know, going to be interesting to see this score kind of grow together and see, you know, if it can turn into what we hope it would. Um, you're you're really going to see Rager and, and Smith, I think, get a majority of the snaps on the outside. So, um, and I also think, you know, with, with the receivers that we have on the roster now and Quez Watkins um, kind of emerging in the preseason, I kind of think it gives them a little bit more flexibility to hopefully move guys around. I want to see Devonta in, this, in the slot every now and then. I want to see Rager in the slot. Uh, Watkins in the slot, and I want to see him on the outside as well. You you have the ability to move these guys around and, and you know, try to fight defenses. And uh, it's something that we didn't see as much with Doug Peterson's offense in the past. Um, it was very much, you know, this guy's on this side, this guy's on this side, um, and, and we're going to run our offense. So I like to see a little bit more creativity there. And, you know, what, what we have on the roster actually has gives us the ability to do that right now. Um, yes, on, on the subject of uh, Devontae Smith, that's another guy who didn't play much uh, this preseason. Um, had a little bit of the, he had an injury, was like an ankle or a knee or something like that. Kept him out most of the games. I'm sure other games they just wanted to sit him. But uh, a rookie who didn't get a lot of preseason snaps, so we didn't really get to see much um, of what he's about. Um, and, you know, coming into the NFL, he's probably going to take a little bit of his lumps. But right away, though, coming in, he, he pretty much is expected to be the number one wide receiver. So they he's going to get a, a high volume of balls thrown to him. So, again, early on, I think we're going to kind of learn a lot about him uh, early on this season. And then I think it's a big season just staying with the wide receivers. It's a big season uh, for Jalen Rager, second season, uh, first-round pick last year. Didn't really show you much. Um, so coming in now, um, you're, they're going to be looking for – uh, whatever, whatever growth that that he has jumping into year two, if he put in the work in the offseason, how they're going to use him, 
Um, is he going to be like a gadget guy mostly? Can he can he really be a good receiver out of the slot? Kind of just crossing routes, get the ball in the open field. Um, really see what he's about. And then you know, Quez Watkins has been the the darling of of this all season, the, the training camps in the preseason with his speed on the outside and getting deep and all that. Um, there's another guy who's just uh, unproven, really. No, no real serious track record for us to kind of lean on, on on what to expect. You know, when you look, when you look at a group like a veteran group like the offensive line, um, if if, all, if they all stay healthy, I expect this to be a very good offensive line um, this season. But when you look at the wide receivers, um, you really got three three unknowns there that you're really kind of kind of dependent on and, and leaning heavily on coming into the season. Um, now, I definitely think Devontae will be their number one receiver, um, even if he doesn't. Even if he has a slow start to the season, I think he'll figure out late. Um, it's just today's NFL. I feel like most wide receivers coming to lead, they they're just able to play in some fashion. Um, but how do you do? You, do you see Rager being the? Do you think he can step up and be a number two wide receiver? We think Quez is going to be that number two. We're going to be leaning lean a lot on the tight ends as number two options. What do you? How do you think it falls after after Smith? Um, it has to be a mix probably because I don't. I don't see Rager just jumping up and snatching that. That's just my that's my gut feel. I, I feel like it's going to be a little bit of a mix of uh, walk-ins and, and the tight ends. And um, I really don't know how much you can really expect out of Smith right away. You know, are we hoping for a thousand yards? You know, I just feel like that's a, you know that's a lot. But at the same time, you know, we're, he's our number one option, and uh, this is what we're hoping in the future. So I'm gonna, I'm going to kind of be patient with him, but at the same time, you know, you're hoping to see flashes right away. Um, like you said with Rager, man, we, I feel like we didn't see anything last year. You know, I can't even remember one time where I was like, all right, he showed me that speed that, that they talked about and things like that. Um, so he really has to show, you know, he, he kind of showed it more like training camp in highlights and, and things like that. What's that? Um, Quez at least had that one play against the Cardinals. Yeah, he did have that. And I will say with Rager, at least he did have that. Uh, he did have the punt return in the Green Bay game. He showed you something oh, that's there. Right. He did show yep. you there. Now that special teams play wasn't, you know, off the line of scrimmage, I'm getting open making plays, but he did have the punt return. I think there was another game where he he got open, but then he got caught from behind. I mean, it was one of those things where I was kind of disappointed in his wide receiver speed and really break away. But yeah, I mean, you're still right though. It's just you didn't really, you still just overall, we haven't seen a lot from him for a guy who was a first round pick last year. Right. Right. And so, I mean, he's going to get every opportunity. And I think that's the great thing about this offense and, and this team this year is they're built to give those guys that we have uh, the opportunity. And then they're either going to stick around to be a part of this team or we're going to move on in the offseason. We had the ability to do that. Um, defensive side of the ball, I think that actually is our strength. That really could be where the strength of this team um lies and it's kind of funny to say um, I feel like there's a little bit more depth in the defensive backfield than there has been in a little bit of time. Um, yeah, we got Darius Slay coming back for year two. Uh, uh, Nelson, Steven Nelson, Steven Nelson, nice sign for agent. Uh, I think you, then that allows you know, Avante Maddox to slide back into the slot, which where I think he's a better he's a better uh, cornerback there than he was on the outside. Um, and I'm interested to see what uh, what's his name, Anthony Smith, the the safety, what he's able to do, and then Rodney McLeod coming back off the injury. Um, I, I've, I've it never, looks like he's not playing week one. Not playing week one. So who's, who's that's what Darius Slay said today. He he let it slip. Oh, he Darius Slay has. <laughs> yep, yep. He let it slip today. Oh, who's, so. Who do I'm not sure. I would look at the death chart. Who's you go Wallace? Wallace or we might see a lot of Epps. Marcus Epps still back there. Yeah. Um. So it'll be interesting to see how, how what they do with that. Um. And then you got the kid Zach McPherson. Was that fourth round pick? They scooped him. Yep. Um. So. 
um, I remember that preseason game against the Pan- uh, against the Patriots. He he got worked pretty good. Uh, played a little bit better against the Jets, but uh, I mean it's the Jets. You know they don't, not really a, a high flying offense there. Um, so you know we'll see we'll see what, what they get there. But I do like the I do like the the unit um, as a whole. Uh, I think Darius Slay will be a little bit better than he was in the first season with the Eagles, just considering that um, I think they have a better number two corner there in Nelson, and so the. Uh, It'd be a little bit harder just to pick on um, pick on him all the time over there because uh, a lot of times I felt like they had to get help to the other side and Slay was on on an island a lot of times which and he faced a lot of tough wide receivers uh, last season but but still though he, he's he's going to have to be better regardless of if it's because Nelson or or whatever but uh, Darius Slay I I expect and I hope that he is better here and uh in year two as an Eagle but yeah I I like the defensive. Uh, uh, backfield um yeah and then i think uh i hope i hope i like the wallace pick from last year from clemson and i hope he can i hope he can come along and show them a little bit more this year too yeah because i mean i feel like he better he barely got on the field last year if it wasn't you know special teams and things like that so i'm definitely trying to see him on defense last uh defense a lot more um alex singleton man he might be the leading uh tackler in the nfl this year or where the, where was he a Canadian football player CFL they see coming so, from yeah. and then uh, I guess he was good up there um yeah he's he's been a surprise for me he's definitely given them more good snaps than I ever thought he would and right and and they're good quality snaps they're not just good for for being an Eagles linebacker because we never had good linebackers he's actually played fairly well so um and and I think he'll have some more help there with uh uh, the guy they got from the Vikings, whose name I'm blanking on right Eric now, Eric Wilson. Yeah, Eric Wilson. Um, I think T.J. Edwards. Uh, hopefully, he could, he plays more. He's a good, good run stopping linebacker. So um, it, that definitely gives them options. And and you know, from all accounts, from everyone who watches this team practice and all that, they say Jonathan Gannon's defense is a more of an attacking defense. And I think that helps everyone all around, where guys aren't so passive and and waiting to get beat. And and when you're you know, when you're bringing pressure, that that can help you linebackers that are back there in coverage, where they don't have to cover these tight ends so far down the field and stuff like that, and 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 then running backs out of the backfield as much where where they're getting beat. So, um, I'm I'm excited to see all that. At this point, are you do you have more expectation for the the defense side of the ball, or the offense side of the ball? Defense probably. Just because I mean, the veterans there. Say, yeah, you know they're they're. I think that they're the more probably complete unit, I guess, you know, and then guys that are more proven and, and things like that. So I'm hoping for a little bit more out of them and um, just kind of supporting our offense, making sure that it's not on them, that they're, you know, obviously they're not going to score every time. Um, and we kind of need to feel out what this offense is. Um, it could be really a really dominant rushing offense. It could be really dominant through the air. It could be, could be a lot of stuff. We have, we, we just got to see, you know, how, how it all kind of plays out this year. Um, it could be an awesome play action offense as well. There's a lot of potential there. So um, on defense, I just think that's what's going to keep them in games. You know, if, if, if they're playing well, then they're going to have a chance. Yeah, I think as far as the offense goes, I think as as Jalen Hurts goes, you know, they'll go. So, um, as we said, the top is a little bit more unknown with that. But, yeah, when you look at the defense side of the ball, um, you got a lot of guys coming back from that side of the ball. Um, and then you have a lot of veterans, some veterans you brought in. I think if he can rebound, I think that, that Ryan Kerrigan pick could be a sneaky good pickup. Um, it could. Yeah. Absolutely. On that defensive line, you talk about a defensive line who was third in the league in, in sacks last year. And this was a defense under Jim Schwartz that kind of just played things straight up, didn't bring a lot of pressure a lot of time. It was just the four the four guys rushing, and they got there enough times to be third in the league in sacks. So um, 
so that I think, you know, if they can at least maintain that, if they don't improve on it, if they can at least uh, maintain that, it'd be good. And then, you know, you got Derek Barnett in the contract year, um, and hopefully he shows you shows you something that, you know, to show the Eagles or some team that he wants or deserves to be paid. And then, you know, you got Josh Sweat, who had a really nice season last year, I think six and a half sacks or something like that in and, and limited time. Um, so if he can stay healthy and, and stay on the field there, uh, I mentioned Kerrigan. I think the, I think the line Hargrove has been playing really well this preseason and, and in camp and all that. Um, I think people forget he had a slow start last and he did pick it up late. But I think the start of the season wasn't coming off some kind of injury where he missed yeah, the first few games. It was like a, it was like an arm or biceps or something like that. So, um, yeah, and then yeah, he started playing well down the stretch. And then you got the rookie in there, uh, Milton Williams. Yeah, and he showed. He, I mean, again, it's preseason, so you got to take it with a grain of salt. But he he showed some flashes in the preseason. His ability to kind of to 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 get off uh, blocks and and make a play. Um, they showed already that they like to move him around. He was doing the. He was inside on third downs. He was coming outside and, and rushing. So I uh, definitely say like he can be a Swiss Army knife on the on that defensive line so um, i'm a dad and of course fletcher cox is always the mainstay in there along with brandon graham so um hopefully those guys can be the be their usual selves and, and get some help from the supporting cast on on the defense side of the ball um players aside you know the rookie head coach sirianni got a rookie defense score and basically the whole the whole coaching staff was just about remade besides maybe a few you know position like i know they brought back the same offensive line coach and all that um I'm curious, you know, curious to see what what Sirianni's offense is, how balanced it is. Uh, if he's attacking down the field, does he get guys in space short and let them run downfield? Big screen guy, big slant guy, play action. You know, we it's just it's just another one of those things. Um, we don't really know. We can assume because, like I said, coming from that Frank Wright tree, who who's also working with Doug, we can assume that maybe we'll see uh, a little bit of the same things, but. Um, I'm definitely curious to see what he has up his sleeve. Not only play calling, but how quick and smart he is in, in crucial uh, parts of the game where you got to make quick decisions, whether you're going for it on fourth down or if, if it's late in the game and how, what the play call like in two-minute offense and when you're using timeouts. There's, there's little nuances that goes that go into being a head coach besides just calling plays. And so um, and he's going to be learning on the job. He didn't call plays in Indy, and so he's going to be kind of just figuring out <laughs> as he goes here. It's going to be growth for the entire staff, a lot of the players and everything like that. And I think that has to be considered when you're talking about this team and what their record could possibly be this year. So I think that that also plays in some of their struggles that I expect them to have at times, especially against some of the better teams that they're going to face, like the Buccaneers and Chiefs. Um, you know, you, you got to do what you got to do uh, against some of these teams. Uh, and you don't have the the talent necessarily to match up and you're going to have first time head coaches going against uh, some Super Bowl, you know, worthy teams. So it's going to be it's definitely going to be interesting and something to watch um, both on and off the field. We got a, we got a ton to watch with the Eagles this season and evaluate. That's really what it is, an evaluation year. I want to kind of take a, a look at some of the positions um, and kind of get your your thoughts on things. Um, so Jalen Hurts is a starting quarterback. We, we know that. Um Looking at the running back position, Miles Sanders is obviously your number one guy. Um, Boston Scott, number two guy, and then Kenneth Gainwell looks like they're gonna they're gonna go to for that third spot. Um, how do you how do you picture that that backup running back position kind of shaping up there? I'm gonna, I'm really gonna say that as time goes on, I'm gonna say Gainwell's gonna get more and more of those snaps. 
Um, it just feels like he's probably the better runner of the two. You know what I mean? I almost feel like Boston Scott's probably the better uh, catcher of the backfield, but also Gainwell has that ability as well. You know, he was, he was playing a little bit of wideout in college and things like that. So I just, uh, I think eventually he's just going to take over this snaps or whatever. And I, he's, he's looked good in the preseason. Um, but I would still expect, you know, Boston Scott's going to get his usage. You know, I would expect against the New York giants, he's going to put up, you know, two, four, two, two touchdowns, 120 yards, you know, things like that. That's where Boston Scott will shine. Um, level of concern um, with Miles Sanders and him in the passing game. He dropped a lot of balls last season. Apparently it's been a trend throughout training camp and this preseason um, and practice and all that. He hasn't been catching the ball well. And it's really odd because, you know, in his rookie year, he felt like he caught the ball very well and he's since regressed, which is kind of weird. Or Do you have a lot of concern with that? I mean, yes and no. It's just like <laughs> – yeah, I, I think it's just a part of his game. Like, I feel like it's always been a thing, you know, even 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 that year, I do remember he had a drop every now and then that I was kind of like, all right, he, he still has this this issue. Um, but it's not like, you know, our whole offense runs through through throwing him the ball or anything like that. But it's definitely a dimension you want to have. And I think you, if he does have issues with that, that's going to lead to Gainwell and Boston Scott seeing the field a little bit more and actually having a little bit more of a three-headed trio um then just you know relying on the main guy and then having two backups yeah um my only little concern with that is obviously you want miles sanders to be able to catch the ball i think he can do big things with the ball once right. he does catch it um i just get worried i get a little concerned if it becomes too much of an issue and the eagles kind of have to do obvious substitutions where you know Sanders checks they're out and game well checks down. in and then you know they're, yep. they're throwing on, on this down so um I think that's maybe something that will kind of play out maybe later down the road in the season. I think they'll probably stick with Miles in those situations early on in the season, no matter what, to give him all the opportunities. But I think if he doesn't get in that straight now, um, it could hurt the off the Eagles offense in the sense of them becoming just a little bit more um, predictable pre-snap or, or kind of where, where, what the game, where the game, where the ball is going, what the game plan is on that particular play. Um I Go ahead. I agree with you with that. It's just uh, I think you know what 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 would end up happening is you're going to game well a little bit more, and when he's in there, you've got to be able to also run with him as well. You know, you, you're that's going to end up leading him get more carries if, if Miles isn't able to catch the ball. Is what is what I would think. Yeah, uh, we we talked about wide receivers Smith, Rager, and um, and Quez Watkins. Um, I think we're all in agreement. Uh, Greg Ward's probably your fourth guy. And yep. and then um, they cut Fulgham. They they or, or JJ Ortega Whiteside is going to be the fifth guy. Obvious, a big make or break year for him. I I, I assume. Um, I don't. I'm not expecting big things from him or in, with any opportunity he gets. But um, he's probably the the fullest, the thickest body out there. When you talk about big body, you know, receivers. Do you, do you think there's any kind of chance that he at all lives up to that first round pick hype at all? Or second nah, round pick, rather. I'm sorry. And I kind of think you threw out the reason why he's still on that roster. He's the he's the big guy receiver, right? So uh, we want to throw him in there on some running plays, get some run blocks, things like that. Uh, balls we got to throw up, different things like that. Um, but what I'm really expecting him to see less than 10% of offensive snaps, you know, entire season maybe. Um, it's it's not going to be. And they talked about, you know, he had to be willing to play special teams or whatever, you know, stay. And so. Uh, that's our. I think he's going to get the majority of his time. I just think uh, 
They were burned on a second round pick. How we don't want to be wrong. So he's sticking around here one more year till his cap hit lightens up a little bit. And then we'll, we'll cut him after next season, after this season. Yeah, I would say, barring he proves something, you know, big here, this is probably his last season uh, with the Eagles. Um, I think you also hit on a thing with, with playing special teams. I think that's also a, a part of the reason why he still made the team. I don't think Fulgham played special teams at all and so i think that's always valuable to a team when with your backups uh playing special teams um the tight end position a little crowded over there with the Ertz uh goddard you know situation uh at the end of the season back in january i i i think everyone kind of thought it was a foregone conclusion that zach Ertz was gone and here we are september he's back for another go around with the field of eagles and at this point i don't see any kind of late season off-season trade come or anything I, th- I think he's going to be here for 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 the season so uh and I, the eagles haven't really said either way who's the going to be their number one guy I, I assume it's dallas goddard um but i don't think it's going to be clear the de- cut the depth chart listed them as both starters as both stars i did see that as, as co-stars <laughs> they did the same thing with josh sweat and Derek barnett so yep. um so i'm i'm not sure how how those snaps are, are going to break down end game um, but something tells me that I think come later in the season, midway through the season, I wouldn't be at all surprised if we looked at, you know, the stat lines and saw that Ertz had more just about the same snaps as Dallas got, or at least not t- too far behind. Like, I I think they'll probably be as close to 50-50 snaps as, as they could be, which could make things even more complicated about trying to decide, you know, who is the true guy who's staying here, um, you know, through next season. And then it's also it's harder to get a read on how good, you know, Dallas Goddard is being a younger guy with him splitting so many reps. So um, barring injury and all those guys staying healthy, it, that's definitely a, a position to watch and how they use them throughout the season. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, something in my gut is telling me we're going to see a lot more hurts than we're expecting early. That's what, I, that's what my gut's telling me. Yeah, um, I know there. It's I don't know. Like maybe Ertz is making the money. Do they do they kind of say you know well we're paying this guy eight and a half million. He's got to be out starting. Starting with Sirianni's offense. I don't know how much how many two tight end sets he's running. Um, So I don't know what he plans on doing with that. Um, If he's getting creative and throwing one of those guys kind of in the slot and some of their bigger packages, goal line stuff. I I I don't know. I, I would say this. Style-wise, I really like Dallas Goddard. Um, I think he's a better option as far as big play potential for the tight end um, and with him getting yards after the catch. But in years past, you know, we see, we've seen Zach Ertz made some, make some tough catches, some, some, some clutch catches. Um, so uh, he, I know last season was a down year for him, but um, he has proven in years past that he could definitely, you know, he definitely is a number one you know, tight end. And I wonder how much he's motivated to kind of bounce back this year and, and, and I'm stealing some reps, some reps away from, from Dallas Goddard. And then, and then I think Ertz is also under contract for next season as well. If I'm not mistaken, I'm not sure. I think, I think I will have to double check on that. So, and then with Dallas Goddard, you know, maybe the Eagles don't want to pony up and, and pay big money for him. Probably they've already disagreed on one contract that was offered. I guess Dallas wants more. So, I don't know. It, 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 it's it's definitely going to be um, definitely going to be a position battle to watch. I think the one is going to be throughout the season. But do you think one, when they take the field on game day, first game against Atlanta, 
And if they're only lining up with one tight end, who do you think that one tight end is to start the season? Zach Ertz. You think it's Zach Ertz? Wow. Yep. Interesting. Yep, I just think it's going to be that surprise. I think that's what's going to be. Um, I think it's going to tell us a little bit what the Eagles think about Goddard, too. I think that's. I think it's going to be kind of telling um, that they're frustrated probably with him being, you know, not able to be staying on the field and not having produced like a top tight end, but, you know, wanting to act like he wants to be paid like one. So, Who do you think is the field. better talent? If Goddard could stay healthy, I would go with him, but I guess I have to go Ertz. Ertz is like the smooth, consistent. You know what I mean? He don't really get hurt or whatever, but like Goddard is clearly the more complete package. You know what I mean? He can block, he can break, uh, he can break tackles, you know, different things like that. Um, but Ertz kind of just, he's a little bit more even everywhere else that, you know, he, he, where, and he doesn't get hurt. Yeah, yeah, he's been. I think he would he had like a was that was that last year, year before he's playing with like the the shattered spleen or something or or whatever it yeah, was in, like in the back. I think it was the year they went to the playoffs against uh, the Seahawks. Would have been two years ago. So yeah, he's definitely proven he he's tough. He can be out there um, along the offensive line. You got Brandon Brooks back, Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey, Isaac Sayamalu. Now, if Isaac Sayamalu is, is is average, just fine, not bad, but not great either. Come, let's say, you know, week four or five, when Land, I would say landing Dickerson probably has a full, clean bill of health. Do you think there's any chance at all that they, they kind of swap, the, swap those guys out? Or do you just keep kind of Dickerson uh, back there until an injury happens um, for one of the starters for him to slide into? I would think Landon Dickerson is kind of your first guy off the bench um, at almost any position that's not tackle. But I've even... I've even heard some some writers talking about you know if uh, if, if something were wrong with Mylotta and you know Dillard sucks, put Landon Dickerson out there. I mean, it kind of seems like he's the jack of all trades on the offensive line. Obviously, they have a uh, Brett Toth, Toth out there too. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's uh, I think I think you're going to see me Dickerson sooner rather than later. Eventually, it's just going to be you know kind of wear on the offensive line. But obviously, I think long term, he, he's your Kelsey replacement. Um, yeah, I, I agree with him. I think that's the long-term plan for him at center. And am I a lot of beating out Andre Dillard? Um, whatever. Like that's kind of, kind of secretly, kind of yeah. what I hope to be honest with you. I kind of wanted my lot to get that spot. Yeah. It was just kind of like, everyone's kind of fed up, fed up with Dillard, man. It's, uh, he came in and sucked his rookie year and then uh, got hurt his second year. And now, you know, he's, he's shown improvements going into the third year. It's just definitely a first round bust. And um, it's just one we're going to, one we're going to eat, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing as JJ um, first and second round. Wow. And what back to back years um, just sucks. Um, I, I, I don't think there's much of a conversation at least personally, as far as defensive line goes, because this is the way they rotate those guys. Um, so much that I think everyone's going to kind of get a shot there, especially with the ends. Like I know Sweat and Barnett is probably going to be battling out on that right end spot, but I, I think still, even if Sweat is is killing it, you know, having a great season, um, I still think Barnett's going to get a decent amount of snaps just the kind of way they they rotate those those guys through. And so, I mean, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Maybe, you know, see who they start the games with and all that. And I'm sure one guy will probably get more of the reps, probably like a 60-40 kind of split. But I don't think there's going to be anything where you see, like, kind of Derek Barnett is, like, benched. Unless he's horrendous. 
But I, right. yeah, but I, I mean, I've never, I haven't been a big, I, I haven't been a big Derek Barnett guy since his rookie season, since he came in the league. Like he's never really done anything to kind of impress me, to make me, you know, kind of, you know, root for him and all that. Obviously, he had the big fumble recovery in the Super Bowl, but Brandon Graham did all the work there. He kind of just scooped up the ball there. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see the potential in, in Josh Sweat and uh, and what he's able to bring. But outside of that, I think the defensive line is pretty straight up. Um, and I know I see here on the depth chart, they got Jannard Avery listed as Sam, Sam linebacker. He's going to be playing the strong side there. Um, I, I, I'm not feeling that too much, really. No. Yeah, um, I just feel I feel like he'll be a standout rusher in some some situations, and that's what, what he'll end up being. That and also I kind of question how often the Eagles will even have three linebackers on the field. Um, right. So uh, obviously in goal line situation and all that, sure you'll get more bodies, bigger bodies like that in there. But um, I think mostly it's going to be Wilson and Singleton, and they'll probably play a lot of nickel and, and you know safety down the box sometimes if they feel like they need to to play the run and all that. Um, but yeah, again, like just just now, just talking about you know going through and look at some of the different positions. I feel like we spent a lot of time on on the offense there, and not too much craziness going on, on defense. Another reason why I just just kind of uh, backs up my thought about you know the the defense being the more solid uh, side of the ball coming into the season, and we're kind of it's kind of seeing how the offense kind of kind of falls into place. But it's coming up a few games, a few days away against the Atlanta Falcons. How it kicks off? I think at the top of the show you did say you you've you've come around on a few more wins for this team. Yep, I'm thinking the Falcons game. You know, it starts with them. It could, it could be uh, uh, the first one of the season. I, uh, there's no there's no reason why they can't win this game. Do you remember what your initial number was overall? I, I believe it was five and twelve. Five and twelve. So yeah, I'm going to go seven and 10 now. All right, going seven and 10. Okay. Yeah. I'll go a couple more wins. I feel a little bit more optimistic as the season's upon us. Uh, yeah. I, th- I think that's where I was before. I'm, I'm just going, I'm going to stay there. I, I think under a normal season, they would be six and they're a six and 10 team. And with the extra game, I'll give them the extra W in, in, in seven and 10. So I think I'm, I think I'm in agreement with you seven, and 10, it very well could be, Eight and nine, I think it's there. I don't think anything. I think anything more than eight wins would be an absolute. I won't say shock, but it definitely would be a big surprise for me if they had anything more. Uh, than, Absolutely. Than eight wins. Um, when I played the season in Madden, you know, nine and eight in the regular season, but that also included a big upset win over the Tampa Bay Bucks in Uh-oh. Philadelphia. Wow, wouldn't, yep. that, wouldn't that be Uh-oh. something? They get Brady yep. again. Yep. <laughs> Um, it was uh, like 14 to three or something like that. We, we held them oh, strong. Defense, that defense, okay. that defense held that passing game in check, man. Defensive battle. Um, another nice thing, even, they're coming into the season relatively healthy too. I don't no big name is really uh, listed on the injury list, which is something nice for a change. I feel like for a while there, they're always getting beat up in the all season and in training camp. And, and, and thankfully it was one of those practice ones or anything like that. They, they, they've had a few of those over the years, but um, it feels like this coaching staff was extra careful, extra protective of making sure that guys got days off and different things like that. I saw a lot of veterans days off and things like that. Uh, um, so it seems like that they, that was the, that was a goal there. So it seems like it worked uh, coming in through this first training camp here and to the regular season. If I set the over under on throwing touchdowns for Jalen Hurts at twenty five, you're going over under. I'm gonna say over, but it's only I'll probably only like twenty eight. Twenty eight. I I would take the under. Um, I'm thinking like twenty three, but I think he's also going to mix in like ten rushing touchdowns. 
And so, okay. so I think that, well, maybe not 10, 10 sounds I'm, a little I'm going to go a little less. Yeah. I'm going to say, I'm going to, I was going to say more like five. Okay. I think I'm going to come down to like seven. I think he can have 30 total touchdowns, 23 throwing and, and seven rushing. I think um is, I think is, 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 is reasonable for him. Um, real quick, looking at the division, we, you know, we're both saying around seven and 10. Do you think that'd be good enough to win this division, make playoffs at all? Or you still, you think they're on the outside looking in when it's all set and done? Outside looking in, um, I'm just going to say, uh, unfortunately, I think this, you know, if it ain't now, it's gotta be, you know, it might be never. I think it's the Dallas Cowboys finally here taking this division and, and doing what they're supposed to be doing here with that offense and everything down there. Um, defense is still not great, but you know, it's just functional enough. I feel like to win that division, Washington football team right there with them too. Um, and not bad. I kind of think that this might be it for the current giants regime. Um, I don't think Daniel Jones is anything too special. I think he's going to solidify that for everyone this year and the rest of the team around him isn't, isn't that great anyway. So it just kind of feels like they're all setting up for disaster. So um, they actually might be a team that finishes below us, but I kind of think that there's two teams at least that are going to finish above us. Um, yeah, I think I'm, I think I'm in agreement. I think Dallas, Washington, Eagles, Giants, um, as far as the division goes, I feel like for the past couple of seasons, the Giants probably not Giants, the Cowboys probably had the best the best roster in the division, but they they always find a way to, to screw it up each season. And so um, maybe this is finally the season that they get it all together. But I tell you what, I hope not. I I would love to see them oh, fail. Of course not. <laughs> yeah, right. I love to see them fail. Um, I think I think the Washington Redskins has the best unit in the entire division when you talk about their defense. Um, really like their defense, especially their front four. Um. And I I like you know some of the I like Terry McLaurin good wide receiver um the running back was a Gibson who was tearing up yep. for them last year yeah he looks decent uh I I don't really have much faith in Ryan Fitzpatrick though I don't I don't know but yeah yeah, yeah I was really surprised that they didn't go out and get somebody else same just kind of seems like they want you know somebody you know to, uh, to to fill in for now but I mean yeah go get somebody who's a little bit more. I don't know, better on offense for, for, for myself. I just, he's just kind of a game manager, you know, and that's what you're going to have now. You you have two guys who are big deep threats on the outside and McLaurin and, and Curtis Samuel. And, oh, yeah, I forgot um, they got Samuel too. Yeah, I just don't know if Fitzpatrick was the guy that you really wanted to, to get them the ball. But, hey, you know, I'm more power to them. I understand that they're definitely going to ride their defense uh, to victories. Yeah, it's, I think this is something we've talked about plenty of times in the past about, you know, when you build – building your team, you know, you know, defense and you want to get your, your skilled players and kind of just get your, your quarterback kind of last in there to kind of slide them in and to kind of just uh, mesh with all those other elements that you've already brought in. And yeah, I'm surprised. I kind of feel like this would have been the year for them, to, especially you know, they made the playoffs. Yeah. They made the playoffs lost to the, to the bucks in the wild card game, I guess it was, but yeah, I thought this definitely would have been the all season for them to kind of go ahead and, and get, if they didn't draft a young quarterback, at least sign someone with a little better, more more upside than a Ryan Fitzpatrick, who I don't know, he's he's streaky. I mean, sometimes he can give you games where he looks like Brett Favre, and other game, other times he gives you games where he looks like Matt Barkley. So I don't know, he's kind of he's kind of hot and cold like that. Um, another team that's very hot and cold, the Philadelphia Phillies, man. It, it there, it's, it's a roller coaster of a ride, a roller coaster of a season with an up and down, up and down. They win eight, they lose five. You know, they lose, you know, 
they win two, then the Braves win two, and then the Braves lose, and the, the Phillies decide, then that's when they, they want to take their losing streak. It's frustrating. There, it's it's crazy. But here we are sitting uh, here on September, whatever date it is, 8th, um, in the final month of the season, and they sit, uh, I believe, a game and a half out of the – no, two and a half. Two and a half. Two and a half games out of the division behind the Braves. It, it, it could be more. I mean, they could have been winning. I mean, the Braves are six and four. Um, yeah, four and six, I'm sorry, in their last 10. Surprisingly, the Phillies are seven and three in their last 10, but it don't feel like it. I don't right. feel like it at all. Um, but, hey, two, two and a half out, that, that, that's still very much within striking dis- distance here in the final few weeks of the season. Um, Actually, the wild card is technically closer right now. They're really? only two games back in the wild card. Wow. Wow. That that's something else. Um, that would yeah. it would break my heart if they didn't get at least one of those. Come on, man! You got you got two opportunities to make something happen here. Do they do it? Straight up, straightforward. Do they do it? No, no. Nope. Nope. Uh, they're and but it, they're going to do what everybody knows they're going to do. They're going to take us all the way down to that final week of the season against the Braves. We'll, we'll go to Atlanta. You know. Well, no, we're not going to die in Atlanta, you know. We'll, we'll we'll lose two or three, or we'll get swept, and then there'll still be just a little chance that if they win a game against the Marlins, you know, that they'll have a ch- chance and they'll get swept. So, uh, I think you know, it's it's this team is what it is. You look, I have some numbers for you. Oh, okay. They are. They have given up the second most runs in the division, six hundred forty-five runs. The only team that has given up more is Washington, who has already lost 81 games. They've given up 694 runs. Uh, the Atlanta Braves have a plus 97 run differential. They Their expected win-loss is expected to be 78 and 59. That's five more wins than they have now. Um, but instead, you know, because the Braves are struggling, they're down, down here towards the pack. The Phillies, on the other hand, have scored 12 less runs than they have given up. They've given up, uh, they've given up 645 runs, but only scored 633. And their expected win loss is supposed to be 68 and 70. So it just shows, you know, we're, we're a shitty team that got lucky. <laughs> it's just kind of what it's telling me. So the numbers are all there. It kind of piles up to, to let you know what, what's coming here for the Phillies. Um, and I, it's just kind of what I think. Um, I know we have the weakest schedule in baseball. Everybody keeps talking about it. I feel like it's been talked about for the last like three weeks. Didn't matter when we got swept in Arizona by the Diamondbacks. So I just, you know, I just don't, I don't see it. Um, we're coming up short on starting pitching. Um, Aaron Nola is, is coming up in as September Nola. Uh, we're doing a bullpen game on Sundays. Uh, there's just a, there's, there's a lot wrong with this team. And um, we, we talked about it earlier today, man, Bryce, Hitting Bryce is doing what, what, what Bryce is supposed to be doing, but um, a lot of the rest of the team is kind of letting everybody down, letting everybody down. Yeah, that's those are those are some pretty telling numbers about you know why this team kind of are or are where they are. Um, and yeah, just uh, to be to be out to be giving up more runs than you're scoring, it's just I don't that's not a recipe for. A championship team or let alone just a playoff team a winning team in general um so it's kind of amazing that they are over 500 with with those numbers um and yeah it just and with the Braves right there kind of yeah they got the better run difference but they, they've been they've been struggling a little bit a little bit down here the last few weeks and the opportunity has been right there uh for the Phillies to kind of pounce on them and they haven't and, and I think they're going to yeah they're going to keep it within striking distance I think this is how they're going to plow they keep it within striking distance um, until that Atlanta series, and um, and I, I think I think 
I think they I think they they crapped the bed during that series. But like you said, I I think it's they'll still probably have an opportunity uh, going into the final series with 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 the Marlins, and it's it's just the way it's been for the past few seasons that, or really for a while, more than the past season that they just struggle with the Marlins. Regardless, I think I think it's even worse when it's in Miami. But even when even when the Marlins are here in, in Philly and Citizens Bank Park, uh, they still struggle with them for whatever reason, and. And a lot of times the Marlins are bad, and then the Phillies just play down to them for whatever reason, or or the Marlins just have the Phillies number. I can't quite figure it out uh, what it is, but um, I wish they would figure. I wish they would figure it out, but I it sucks because I want to believe so much, especially you know you see some of the way the way some of these guys are playing, like Bryce Harper, obviously tearing tearing it up right now, playing playing at an MVP level in the conversation. Uh, you have a guy like Ranger Suarez who. Uh, has been yanked around all season long. Last few starts in the rotation, he's giving you he's giving you good outings there uh, in the rotation. And you got Zach Wheeler pitching the most innings that he that he's ever pitched, and he's going out there. And some games, some games it looks like it, man. Some games he's he's wearing all you know 184 innings or however many it's been that he's pitched uh, so far this season. And so, uh, but he's still out there battling. He had a, he did have a good start uh, his last time out. Um, so. You know, there, there's guys out there battling with a veerling coming up. I never heard of this guy, but he's coming up and giving you, give, give you a different. You got Freddie Galvis out there getting big hits on one leg. He's still out there struggling. So it'd be frust- so frustrating looking at all these individual efforts that this game, this team is for sure trying. They have not quit. But in the end, it's it's so hard to to give my heart and my, and my, my brain over to them and, and say, we're going to make the playoffs because, yeah, man, I just. I have serious doubts, especially the way the last the last two years have played out with them kind of scuffling down down the end. So, and maybe, maybe part of it is this, of course, I don't want to get my sports heart ripped open again. Um, so it's hard to get my I won't believe it until it happens. Um, so that that's kind of where I'm at. Obviously, I hope it happens. I'm sure you you hope it happens too. I would love for one. I would love for them. Actually, I would love for them to make the wild card and have a one game playoff against Gabe Kapler and the Giants in San Fran. Let's bleep and go. That would be that would be what I'd be rude for. No, I don't want it. <laughs> you don't want that. My God, you you know we're gonna lose. You know you know we're gonna lose, and then it would never be the end. And I don't know if I'd ever be able to put my Phillies hat back on. It would. Hurt. But what a storyline uh, that would be, though. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, absolutely. And also, and, and Gay Kapler, man, he'd be just spitting out ice cream left and right, just getting all pumped, rubbing up the oil and shit. Oh yeah, he'd be ready. Um, but yeah, uh, it's uh, it's about time, man. I was thinking about just like ten uh, years. Else. Right. I was seeing Ruben Amaro yesterday on on the pregame show. And I'm just thinking like it's been that long, you know, since we've had postseason baseball there. Like it's different. It's just a different vibe, and, and um. Hasn't happened in way too long, man. Way too long. I feel like it would come back with a vengeance, man. Like it would, it would, it could restart the Phillies in 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 Philadelphia. You know, just go back to the playoffs. Um, we'll see. And, er- we'll see. and it's everyone, be, it's definitely going to be a ride down the ride. I'm not feeling great about it. Kyle Gibson kind of looked like ass uh, last few starts. Uh, what, what actually? No, I think it was like one good start, one bad start, one good start again, or whatever. It's he's he uh, he's not looking the best. It's almost like we're down to you know Zach Wheeler and hoping for ranger suarez and stuff every now and then you know it's it's uh it's rough um we're gonna be riding this bullpen to the end it's gonna be like you know like you said i think a one game playoff is 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 just a a good goal for them (laughs) because you're gonna be one of those scrappy teams fighting and clawing your way to the playoffs 
And I know a lot of people, you know, have mentioned the the easier schedule they have down the stretch, and and it's true. But unfortunately, at times, um, they don't always play up to their competition, taking advantage of uh, or play. Yeah, beat. You know, they play down to the competition rather, and not and they don't take advantage of that softer schedule. Um, but it, it's, I mean, it's still there though. You know, they have one more against Milwaukee, and you look at Colorado, the Cubs. The Mets, who, by the way, are only four games back themselves, not completely Surging. out. Yeah, yeah, they're eight and two, last ten. Yeah, and then you got Baltimore and Pittsburgh, four games in there against Pittsburgh. So I mean, you got seven winnable games with about three against Baltimore, four against Pittsburgh. Um, we mentioned Atlanta and then Miami to to end the season. There, a team that I think has like fifty-one wins, have many wins if you have losses. Um, so, but yeah, the schedule's there. We look at Cubs, Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Miami. Um, it's it's very much there for them to 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 win some games and put themselves in a, in the position to win. I think the, their fate still is very much in their hands. Um, they just got to do it, man. Just do it. <laughs> it. It seems so simple. I know it's not that simple, um, but but man, it's um, yeah, it's it's it's, it's going to be a tough one if they fall short, considering you know everything that they what the what the past decade has been like, uh, what this season's been like. Um, and look at they even lost Reese Hoskins, their the number one hitter, right. power hitter for sure, RBI leader, and they still still kept chugging along. So, um, so I would say I would definitely give credit, if not to the whole team, to a, a lot of players on this squad for for not quitting, still out there battling and, and trying. I mean, you got. You got Ronald Torres out here getting big hits. And I didn't even know who that guy was when the season started. <laughs> you know what I mean, so um, I think I think and I think Girardi has been somewhat better recently in the past in, in the past few weeks or month or so. Um, some questionable decisions here and there, but at times though, I just feel like you know what else? What else can he do? You know, this is just the team that he has really, uh, and there's not much he can do about that. No Mariano Rivera coming out of this bullpen, um, right? So yeah. yeah, I mean, he's gonna have arms. You know, you, you got to throw out what you have. Ramon Rosso is not gonna, you know, not gonna win any Cy Youngs for you out of the pen or anything like that. So yeah, I think he did make a good decision this last game when they got blown out by uh, the Brewers. There um, definitely seemed like the offense just just didn't have. It. I think they had like three hits the whole game, and he didn't really use any of his top bullpen arms. You had Dale Santos out there. You had Rosso. Um, I'm not sure another I think one of the other guys I just recently called basically all the all the your your eat inning guys none of you, they didn't use a Naris or a Kennedy or a Bradley none of those Alvarado none of the guys you really count on to kind of get big outs which I thought was uh, a smart decision when you you know trying to look forward to to the next game and and it's weird because he also kind of has to manage that bullpen keeping in mind that he's going to have a bullpen game every fifth day that's also something that they're that they have to keep in mind. Do you think there's any chance there's anyone down there they can call up to pitch these to start these games? Damon Jones I mean, I, want to give him a chance. Uh, Medina. I I would do Velasquez, but Velasquez. I mean, yeah, that's my that would be my option if I'm gonna call up somebody instead of the bullpen game. But they didn't even really seem to consider it. it didn't seem like it was an option. Just kind of said, yeah, we're we're leaning towards doing this bullpen game. And so you you so ultimately you think they don't get in though. Yeah, no. Hmm. I'll say two, one or two games short. Oh, man, that's going to blow. And it's just going to emphasize the need for this organization to have starting pitching this offseason. Like, it's it's going to come down to we just didn't have enough pitching for a couple games. 
Um, random thought I heard by a random caller on WIP, something I never even thought of. <laughs> Any thoughts to moving Aaron Nola to the closer's position next season? <laughs> Why? Why? Oh, my God. I hate everyone. Why? He has three. This, the guy said he has three decent. He has three good out pitches, but he doesn't have sustainability. And he will be good just in that closer role where he has just a limited responsibility and he doesn't have to go multiple innings. It's not like he's the shittiest starter in, on the planet or anything like that. He just runs out of gas when we get to September. Um, no. I mean, you would hope that Nola would go in the bullpen and his stuff would play up to like 97, you know what I mean? Or otherwise, he's not like he's not like a super fireballer or anything like that. So not what you really want out of the closer. Or, um, no, it's a lot harder to find a starter that's as good as Nola than another closer. So, whatever. I'm also no. I just thought I thought I had to share that with you because it came out of nowhere, and I was like, we, we, "This guy was in Cy Young contention two years years ago, right. and now we're right. now we're throwing him in the bullpen." It's not. Yeah, he's not Velasquez or something where you know he can't make it the third time through the lineup right. or anything like that. He had a complete game earlier this year. Complete yeah, game shut out against the Cardinals. I, I mean, they're a team fighting to be in the playoffs too. Yeah, and he's not at a, in a position like where Brett Myers was, where they were talking about sending him down. I think they even right. they, I think they even send him back down for a little bit and then brought him back up as yep. the closer so uh, he has is he hasn't been that bad where i think where you would think he needs to reinvent himself in <laughs> in a new role but the the september struggles are is it's it, they're definitely an issue you know there's there's no denying them that i think this is about the three the third year in a row really he is kind of falling apart in september and so this definitely seems like this is who he is in september um you know him getting tired poor mechanics or, or it's mentally now at this point, most likely. So, you know, he's got to figure out he's got to figure out those things. Imagine if they do make the playoffs, like what what value is he to to the rotation? You know, if they, you know, in, in a series where you only got three games, you know, so. <laughs> but that's a that's a that's an issue to think about down the road for now. You know, I. I think I think the worst, but I'm hoping for the best when it comes to when it comes to the Phillies during the stretch run. Same. And I think th- think good have Eagles football to keep me uh, to keep me distracted. Hopefully, they can do some winning. So it's some- right. And when the hurt comes, that's what we'll have to lean on. Hopefully, and thank God for the Eagles being here. Now, by the time the uh, the playoffs come around at the beginning of October for baseball, do you think Ben Simmons will still be uh, technically a Sixer? I guess, yeah. I guess, yeah. Um, it just doesn't seem – Maury's not going to hedge on his deal. I don't think anybody's going to give him what he wants. And it might end up being a James Harden, which is what kind of what you said, I think, and everybody else kind of said from the beginning, where I'm assuming Ben's holding out, and I'm assuming that we're going to go into the season now without him. And, you know, randomly on a Tuesday at 3 o'clock or something like that, oh, it'll break. You know, Ben Simmons to the Kings for something, something and something like that. But I just don't I don't see we've made it this far. I wouldn't think that the Blazers are moving Lillard now. I, I don't I don't see it unless they're getting their socks blown off, let alone midseason. Yeah. Um, so I've seen a couple of things about the Cavs trying to put together some offers and stuff like that. I'm just not interested. Yeah, I saw that recently. Too. I was like, what, what, what are we getting from the Cavs that I have? 
you know, significant. It was like Laurie Mark. It was like Laurie Markinen, uh, Sexton, Osman, and a couple first rounders. I'm just like, to me, it's not worth it. Like, no. No. I would I would turn around and send that whole package to someone else for a star. You know what I mean? I'll send right. that to the Wizards for Beal, or I'll send that to the Trailblazers. I'd even throw a first round pick in there for to try to get Lillard. Um, but yeah, otherwise it don't really interest me. Um, Kings, if it's not if it's not healed and, and Fox or healed and Halliburton, no, I don't really want it. So yeah, I'm in the same boat as you. I. I'm not taking that unless we've got some workout with a third team where we can we can flip all that stuff on it because that don't impress me much. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I felt like. You know, once 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 we once we got our minds cleared of that playoff series that lost against the uh, the Hawks and thinking about it, um, I I had a bad feeling. Um, I was leaning t- and I was leaning towards possibly that it wouldn't be completely out of the question if they ended up having to. To bring him back, I think ultimately they might have just they might have waited a year too long, man. And I think the year, and I think the what this year was, and all eyes on them in the playoffs. Ultimately, I think that every the league saw the league saw what Ben Simmons was and what he does. Um, they he was he's no longer kind of this hidden this hidden struggle or this guy uh, that people around the league try to defend and and ultimately see the deep potential. And I think I think. At this point, everyone knows where he is, so you can't you can't you know sneak in and pass him off to to another team at all. And so I think, and I think Maury asking for his high asking price. I think maybe also he priced himself out of some negotiations because some teams right away are like, no, I'm not doing that, and then they kind of wait for Sixers to come back with a lesser offer, which doesn't seem like uh, Maury is going to is going to do or is willing to do. And so Sixers have themselves in a bit of a pickle where they might have to bring him back and, and hope that he shows that improvement that interests another team to, to kind of wanted to want to trade him um, and, and bring him in for, for whatever it is. But yeah, I think, I think ultimately I think they might've just waited a year too long to kind of, I mean, we've been every, I feel like at the end of every season, we kind of toying with the idea of is it t- maybe Trey Ben Simmons? Cause he's not going to develop to the player that we want him to, or that he should want to for himself. And so here we are, we, we might, we might be stuck with it. And it seems like it's going to be a bad situation because from all accounts, he and his agent telling the Sixers that they want, they want no part of their organization any longer. <laughs> It's just as more time goes on, it really, really does feel like game seven is is why this this deal hasn't gotten done yet. Mm-hmm. It's really, it's really what it's starting to feel like that 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 one game just really, really exposed him real bad for for kind of what he is. And I've seen a lot of people writing, you know, Ben Simmons on his next team is not going to be a point guard. And I'm seeing that written a lot more. Like you know, people are looking at him as uh, as a Draymond, as a, as a Draymond who don't shoot. So, I mean, that's not that valuable, you know, it's, it, it really isn't. So um, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. But I do believe this is the last we've seen of Ben in Philadelphia, you know, uh, Rich Paul's, you know, trying to get him out. You know, um, I think Rich Paul probably ain't used to not getting his way like he is right now. Um, so eventually he will, you know, and they'll get him out, but it probably won't be, you know, to a location um, he likes. I was kind of hoping, you know, somebody like the Clippers or somebody like, get involved and try to ship us a bunch of picks or something instead but don't seem like that's gonna gonna be happening 
Now, recently, Ben has been dropping a series of uh, training and workout and gym videos on the social medias. Are, are you are you not impressed, Kale? I haven't seen any of them because I do not care. We saw them for years, he, and I think. But this time he went. Ones. He went around three defenders and dunked the ball. He's at least dunking three, the ball again. Three defenders that look like me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like it, it wasn't like it was like Bradley Beal out there defending him or anything like that. It was. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it was. It was nothing. It was nothing. So um, playing against I feel the, like the, also the plan of fitness. In my squad. opinion, he, he he has had many much more highly produced and better shooting videos in past off seasons that you know now he's not even putting that effort in. You know, it's this these these random jays that he. I've also seen him throw up in in warm ups and everything like that. And you know, you don't take him in games. I don't know. Um, question for you: How many how many uh, Steph Curry off season workout gym videos have you seen? At all, ever. or ever, zero. And I, and I would assume yep. that he doesn't do that because he doesn't right. need to. Who's he trying to? Who's he trying to impress? Who's he trying to show LeBron. off for? If you, yeah, yeah. If you can play ball, you can play ball. Why do you need to leak your your gym footage? If I'm seeing the post, the workout videos, it's not like a whole squad of them playing or whatever. It's it's because you're trying to get signed. You know what I mean? You're right. trying to you're trying to show somebody something, and and you're trying to get moved. Yeah. So. That's uh, mm-hmm. Ben Simmons, man, yeah. and, and I think also a lot of this shows Ben is a very mental player. Like he's a very, he's a very, you know, he he knows exactly what's going on. He's on that social media, you know, he he knows all that stuff, um, and he's very aware of it. And I don't think Philadelphia probably the best place for that. No, I remember last season, Jason. Last all season, I think it was last all season. Jason Tatum had some uh, some workout gym videos, but if you remember correctly, he was playing against. Uh, Joel Embiid and some other NBA players, right. they were out there getting getting it in, and like that stuff. That's something that you're like, that's, that's that's cool. Yeah, that's cool quality stuff. They, I mean, they're just they're just being cool with that. They're not out here, you know, trying to make someone uh, think that they are what what they're not. You know what I mean? So yeah, the 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 videos they're nonsense. They're 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 clearly just um, products out there to kind of show that he. He can do these things, and we know he can't because we've seen these videos every all season, and it never translates into the, an NBA regular season game with him in uniform with actual NBA players guarding him. And like the, I feel like he's still trying to pull some kind of con on the league and the fans. And like, dude, the jig is up. People, people realize what you are now. Like, you can't fool anyone anymore. And I don't know, man. At, at this point, do you dare say that? I mean, the, a guy who's made All Star games and all that stuff. Would you dare? Would you, could you say Ben Simmons is a bust at this point? Could you go there? It's like when you took him, you knew that the main thing you had to do with him was turn him into a little bit better of a shooter because he was never shooting at all and you didn't do it. I, I don't think you call him a bust because, in the sense of bust not like he's trash or anything like that he's not like the worst nba player in the world um, he can still do a bunch of different things on the floor defend one through five different things like that but uh, it was a bust in the sense that you were supposed to turn him into a point guard it, that, that that whole that whole that whole scenario and everything like that was a bust um the only way that you don't call the whole situation a bust i guess is that if you trade and you get what you wanted back for him and kind of ends up like the process kind of worked out to what it was supposed to be anyway it did get us a quote-unquote superstar and then maybe we're able to deal him for a true true superstar who can shoot 
the ball. Um, something that's a little well, this is kind of both things are kind of together compacted here, so I'm going to try to get them both out, but with one singular question here. Uh, I'm trying to figure out the relationship between Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid because at season's end, without saying his name, it kind of seemed like Joel called out Ben a little bit when asked about you know the latter stages of that game and, and the sequence with Ben not dunking the ball. Now, he didn't say Ben by name, but we all knew who he was talking about. But at the same time, recently, Joel Embiid had some comments about fans and and they're you know booing or being critical or about certain players and how certain players aren't built that way but he is so it kind of seemed like it was like a, a backhand defend of ben a little bit but also not really because he said some people aren't built that way he clearly was talking about ben not being built that way but also being critical of the fans of the way they kind of uh, react to some player struggles similar to how danny green mentioned a little bit at the end of the season so uh, what do you think their relationship is? Because I think that's also a big part of if you're able to bring Ben back. If I don't think they, I don't think they are, but if, they're, if they are, but if they do have to bring Ben back and you look at the dynamics of just the players on the team, forget Ben Simmons and Doc Rivers, forget Ben Simmons in the front office, just look at the dynamics of the team. Do you think Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid can play together and get along? Yeah, Um my general opinion and guess of what their relationship is, is it's a working relationship. I don't imagine that they hang out outside of team activities. I don't imagine that they're calling each other or anything like that. I think when the season's on they're they're hanging out or whatever, and they're training and, and things. And when the season in the off season or whatever, I think they're, they're going their separate ways kind of thing. And I kind of think that's their relationship. Um, and I think as time has gone on here, Joel has increasingly kind of as he's matured and been here or whatever, cared a little bit more about winning. And I think cared more about it than Ben. And I think, you know, it's kind of like you're in college and you're working on the group project with somebody and it don't matter, you know, you can do, you know, hundred percent great work, but your grade kind of depends on the other person too. And you're kind of getting frustrated when they're not doing their, their part. Um, and I kind of think that's kind of what came out at uh, the, the post the post game press conference there in the playoffs um, but to me, and I get what you're saying about the backhanded tweets here recently. I think that was Joel realizing, yeah, Ben's coming back this year. Like the, 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 the only options we have right now, or are he's sitting out and I don't have him or, or Ben or Ben's coming back. So that was him in my way, kind of like extending the olive branch and then also trying to be like, look, I'm defending you to the fans and shit saying like, yeah, you know, it's not, they could, they're assholes. You know what I mean? It's not, you know, it's not all just, just you made a bad play and things like that. And they got to be more respectful and blah, 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 blah. So that's what I kind of think that was about because otherwise if Ben's going, why, why is Joel even start with the fans? You know what I mean? Like right. there, there's, there's no real part of this. So, so to me, I kind of think like it was almost done with intention. Like, Hey Ben, or Hey, you know, Daryl Morey's telling Joel, Hey, Ben's probably coming back. Like with the, where we are right now, it looks like, you know, that's our option and what we're going to have to do or whatever. So I kind of think that's what that whole situation is. So their whole relationship, I don't think, I don't think there's dislike or anything like that. I don't think it's like, you know, like there's hatred or like Kobe and Shaq, we got to break them up sort of thing. Right. Uh, I just kind of think it's that general working relationship. And I kind of think Ben has always kind of displayed, displayed that LA ish attitude. I don't, I don't know how to 
more laissez-faire. It's not necessarily that he's all about winning or being an NBA star, just more a star in general and living that lifestyle yeah, and that kind being of Being a celebrity thing. in a sense. He just right, right, more than Ben Simmons. Right. Uh, to me, I think he would be totally fine playing on the Clippers and never winning. Um, I, I, just the general thing. And I think as Joel has been here, especially the past couple of years, he wants to win. And I think he wanted to win a little bit more than Ben. So I think that's that's just kind of where the contentiousness in, in that relationship might be. Yeah, and I, I, I think I pretty much agree with most of what you're saying. There. I think Ray, I think you're right where it very much is a working relationship. And it seems that ben, it seems that Joel Embiid and Daryl Morey are, are very close. You know, uh, Joel got the big, you know, max super max contract uh, extension this all season. Uh, and it seems like he and Daryl are, are very close. I'm I'm. I'm sure that Daryl kind of keeps or more kind of kind of keeps Embiid, you know, in the loop a little bit about how things are going with that. So I'm sure Joel's very much in the know. And I think you're right. I think he kind of realized that he might be back. So I got to figure out how to kind of play nice for a little bit longer, even if Ben is back just for a couple months until he's traded at the All-Star break or wherever end up, you know, whatever might end up happening. I think Ben uh, Joel B is is kind of trying to work out that situation very much. Uh, Joel, I think is I think Joel wants to win. He is that he has he's one of those players that has that desire to win. You know he wants the championships, and I don't think uh, yeah, like I said, I think Ben Simmons is very much being being a celebrity or a star and doesn't not necessarily in it always for the champ not all for the championships. I think he's very much telling you he doesn't care that if he never won a championship, he can tell you that he's been to three All Star games. He he doesn't care that, that they that he's never won a championship. You know what I mean? And he has the money. And he and he has the money. Yeah, he he his squad can get swept in the playoffs, but he he doesn't care. He's gonna throw in his his gold chain and his fancy shirt and 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 stroll out and probably be at the club later that night or something. You know, hunting down you know a, a Kardashian or something. I mean, that's just who 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 Ben Simmons kind of is. So um, to to that, uh, I, I think I I think you're right in your in your assessment and and, and how you view um, all that going down. And so with all that said, though, I don't think that I still don't think that it's a I, I don't still, I still don't see one that can last for the long term. Though I I, don't, I just don't see if that being the thing that can last for the next seven seasons, Joel being a Ben Simmons. And I think Joel B is kind of like the fans in the sense where he does recognize that Ben does do a lot of things well, but the thing that you really need him to do well as a basketball player, which is shoot the basketball, he not only does he not do it, he he has he has it's the unwillingness to attempt it or to e- either further your game to, to work on it like we have seen – uh, and B do over the last few seasons to the point where Embiid has worked himself into conversations. Uh, we was run up for the MVP last year behind Jokic. So I think there's two two different mentalities that the Sixers are are, are trying to are blend together there. And I think a little bit it kind of plays into the the, the, the role players where they almost kind of like they have to pick sides here. You know whose side are we on? Kind of here. And it's probably I think a lot of people say that's what led to Jimmy Butler leaving. I don't know, but. Some people kind of point to that a little bit. So, imagine Ben had worked with Joel these past three or four off seasons and shown that sort of improvement that Joel has shown, or whatever, just in shooting. I mean, we we would have one of the best players in the NBA. Ben would be unstoppable if he could shoot the ball. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, that's like a twenty-five point per game guy, mm-hmm. like uh, like a version of LeBron, like literally. But just 
it's frustrating. It's beyond stubborn, frustrating. Stubborn and, and mental at this point. It's 100% because he's just not – doesn't want to do it on the court, and you see him do it other times and then put up videos with it and such. So um, it's going to be an interesting end to this saga for sure. Yeah, something we'll definitely keep the eye on. Um, are you thumbs up or thumbs down on the on the controversial – I put that in quote, not super controversial, but there there were debates about the, the Embiid uh, Philly – you know, Sixers fans or Philly fans in general, y'all got to be better aspect of the uh, Joel Embiid uh, tweets. Do you, do you think, you know, do you take offense to him, you know, kind of calling out the fans or do you kind of see it for what we were talking about earlier of her, him just kind of trying to have Ben's back just a little bit, kind of a, a mixture? How do what do you think about it? Yeah, I kind of see it for what it was. Um you know, some some fans are a little ruthless and, and relentless, and that's probably what you know what athletes are more more about. I don't think it's you know the guys like you and me who you know we saw a bad basketball play. Now we we are ready to move on from Ben. I think that's just a just you know a natural reaction to to some of that stuff. Um, uh, to me, it didn't really bother me because I guess I'm you know I I know that I'm not the the guy who's threatening to you know kill some dude because he missed a layup or something like that or anything like that. And I think that's really what, what that was meant more towards and, and things like that, you know, the crazies that are out there, but um, Joel got to know, you know, that that ain't going to be well received in Philadelphia, whether, you know, people have my mindset about it, which I would say are very few. <laughs> it's going to be more people that are fired up, you know, saying don't talk about us like that, you know, you're, you know, and, and things like that. But um it is what it is. It is what it is. And he's not going to be the last athlete to try to address the Philly fans and, and things like that, but it ain't never going to change. Yeah. Um, I was, I was a little surprised by the timing cause they kind of came out of nowhere. I was like, Oh, you know, Embiid coming to fans here. But I do think it's a little bit like we were saying with, you know, kind of in some ways showing a little bit of support for Ben Simmons or what have you. Um, it was, I also thought it was interesting that he dug up Ben, uh, John B and retweeted like a, WIP clip from like two seasons ago or some guy right. called him like fat and out of shape and need to be traded. So I feel like that's something that he's, he's definitely, he definitely had that save. You know what I mean? He didn't go like, right. And that also just shows that he is one of those mental athletes too. You know yeah. what I mean? He, he, he knows what's going on on social, what people are saying about him. He yeah. knows about Shirley temples and shit. Yeah. I have no doubt. The Chick-fil-A. No doubt. Knows. When, when he, if he would ever win a ring, he's taking a picture with a fucking picture of Shirley Temples and fucking Chick-fil-A. I have no doubt. I have no doubt. So, um, yeah. And, but it, to it his is, credit, he's, he's a guy who has turned it around. He has, he has taken right. the criticism and used it to, um, improve himself. But yeah, not, not everyone is built that way. Um, there, there are, you know, sections of the fan base that are a bit ruthless and get upset at everything. I, you know, there's just, Crazy people that want the Sixers to go 82 and 0. And it's like, yo, that did thing happen. Some days they're going to have bad games. And, you know, obviously the extreme end of the fan base are, you know, people dumping popcorn on, on, on Russell Westbrook, which, which was unnecessary. And then there's, you know, the soft fan that's everyone that's all flowers and roses. They're just trying their best out there. You know what I mean? So I'm not really down with that. I definitely think there's a time and place, you know, for for the whole the whole. Booing thing, I have no problem with booing, but there's a you know, I think you got to recognize the situation and and all that. Um, so yeah, I, I it's been a long standing thing, I don't think it's gone away anytime soon. You know, the reputation of, of Philly fans, and I think sometimes the players feed into it and and they use it to the further the stereotype, which sometimes I feel like and, is unfair, and, and, but sometimes it's not right. unfair, sometimes it is warranted. 
Right. And the national media definitely plays it up. But you know what? Um, and Ben should know this too. I'll never forget, man, them cheering for fucking Markel Fultz like he's a five-year-old, you know, shooting a goddamn free throw and shit and shit like that. You know what I mean? And they, they did. we've done the same stuff with Ben. When he hits a three-pointer, it's like that we won the World Series or something. Like, you know what I mean? It's uh, So the support at the same time for those minuscule things was also there. And I think stuff like that is often forgotten and overlooked when, you know, we're talking about us. But I think only, you know, the really Philly fans know that kind of stuff. So. Yeah. But yeah, and that's definitely the aspect I think that should be mentioned. I think the everything's been going on with Ben Simmons is it's close to kind of being, you know, that's a little bit of a, of a unique individual issue where we've there's been a lot of support for this guy for the past, uh, you know, four or five years. And see, I feel like it's just just this past season, particularly this last playoff run where a lot of people had their breaking point with him. But up until then, there's right. a large portion of his fan base that still very much believed in Ben and was very much like, just wait till he gets his jump shot and it'll be, I told you so. Just wait, wait till he get that jump shot. And it's been that for the past few years. And now people are starting to look stupid and they're kind of jumping ship on him. But for and a it, lo- long time, it, it, it was a lot like the, Right. And it was kind of like the Carson Wentz treatment, you know, the same way people defended Carson. It was the same thing with Ben or whatever, until finally there was a point where people broke and yeah. it was kind of all at the same time. And, and it kind of combined with, people who had already broke and said, you know, it's, it's been time or whatever with the people who finally did break. And then it just kind of, kind of creates a big wave. Mm -hmm. Yeah. From Embiid's, you know, foot injuries and, you know, criticism of being out of, out of shape and all that. Very few people were saying trade Joel Embiid, ship him out of town. I I don't really remember that being a, a large narrative like it is with Ben Simmons. By and large, a lot of people still believed and saw the potential and Embiid, and he's you know pretty much lived up to that, and so you know it, it kind of is what it is. Yeah, um, it's just going to be a, so a, another chapter in the in the in the long saga of Phillies fans um, versus at the athletes. But I'm I'm not mad at at Joel. I'm not holding it against him. I'm sure once the season starts, it'll probably be you know pretty much forgotten. I I would think. Uh, and even if you go back, I think. It was either 07 or maybe even the year they won the World Series was one of those all seasons was Jimmy Rollins, uh, his comments about Phillies fans being front runners was one of those years. I can't remember which one, but it was one of those seasons. And, you know, people love Jimmy here. He's a freaking legend. You know, they for, they forget when you produce. So um, it is what it is. I'm still cool with JoJo. I, I got no no ill wishes. But, um, yeah, I'm still I'm still team trade. Get Ben Simmons <laughs> out of town for sure, for sure. Um I guess we got to wrap this up with predictions. Eagles win, lose, score. What do you got? I'm going to go 24-14 win over Atlanta Falcons on Sunday. 24-14 Eagles win. Okay. Um, 24-14. Okay. Um, I'm going 25-20. to 20. I feel like I feel like whenever we play the Falcons, it's like odd scores. What was the playoff game like? Sure. F- Fifteen to ten, and then sixteen, to, yeah, or yeah. something like that. Yeah. And then we played them the season opener the next season. What was the game like? Eighteen to twelve or something weird like yeah. that. It's always weird scores. So I'm going to say twenty-five to nineteen. Falcons win. Ooh. But it's not like a. I mean, every loss sucks, but it's not. I don't think. I, I don't think it's going to be a heartbreaking loss. I think it's going to be. It's going to be like one of those games where you can see the Eagles' potential, but maybe they're just not quite quite there yet, you know? 
That's kind of where I'm going with this. Different things like that. Yeah, yeah. And I think it's something that can kind of end up building uh, until the end of the season. Um, So that's where we stand. Uh, Football season is here. It begins. We'll be here week by week. Uh, You know, talk about games and break it all down and all that. Uh, It's been fun doing this episode. Anything else to say before we go out of here to Kale? Let's go, birds. Let's go, Phillies. Let's go, Phillies. Let's go, birds. I like it. Peace, everyone.